0: Good morning, City Gates. For those of you that don't know me, my name is Justin, and I have the great privilege to share some of my story and my vice versa with you guys today. Uh, we'll just jump right into it. You know, when I was about 10 years old, I had my first identity crisis. You see, I come from a biracial background. My dad is really, really, really dark brown from Guyana and South America, and my mom is really, really white. Uh, she's German, blonde hair, blue eyes, and really, really fair skin. And then there's me, which I sort of fall in between. Now, when I was growing up, I didn't have any biracial friends. All my friends were of one color, not the same color, but one color. I think you know what I mean. And so when they would come over, they started asking questions about my family, and I really didn't know how to answer it. And it really made me start to question, um, you know, what my situation was. And I actually got to a point where I wondered whether I was adopted or not. It just didn't make sense to me. And so it started to create this little bit of insecurity in me that uh, would carry on with me uh, for a later part of my life. You know, when I was 13 years old, um, I found out, a, you know, um, in a family conversation that while my mom was pregnant with me that I was unplanned and that uh, my parents had actually considered having an abortion. Now, let me just put out this disclaimer. Um, This is something that we have well talked through as a family. My kids know this. And as you can see through God's sovereignty and by the decisions that my parents made, I'm here today and I know that my parents feel that they made the right decision. But these are things I still had to question and things that I still had to work through. I never felt that my parents didn't love me and I certainly didn't feel like I had to do something to earn their favor or earn their love because believe me, I caused a lot of trouble, which I could have squashed that. But um, I never felt that, uh, you know, a lack of love for my parents. And so, you know, I just want to make sure that that's clear. Um, these are just things that happened that I have, you know, worked through through uh, my life. And, uh, you know, thanks to God and thanks for his saving grace, um, I've been able to, you know, sort of figure out, you know, who I was. Um, but it did create and deposit an insecurity in me that would carry on, you know, as I got into um, my, my late teenage years and when I became a Christian. Um... And when I became a Christian at around 15 years old, um, you know, I, I actually struggled with my relationship with Christ and I, what, wondering who I was as a, as a son and, and, and figuring out who he was as a father. And it was very different this time. It had nothing to do with you know, the, the color like I did with my parents or, or any of that stuff. Um, this was just different because it didn't seem like I could have a relationship with this God who was the creator of the, of the universe. And I never felt I could measure up to the holiness of God or do whatever I could to earn uh, his love or his favor. But as I got older and began to mature spiritually, and as I began to dig into the word, things started to change and it became life to me. And this is where I want to jump in and share my first vice verse, which is from 1 John chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, which says this. See how very much our Father loves us, for He calls us His children, and that is what we are. But the people who belong to this world don't recognize that we are God's children because they don't know Him. Dear friends, we are already God's children, but He has not yet shown us what we will be like when Christ appears. But we do know that that we will be like Him, for we will see Him as He really is. And I tell you, this scripture was life-changing for me because it helped me understand, as John wrote here, that the Father, not the the judge and creator of the universe, but the Father in heaven loves me. And he reaffirms that by saying, and that is what we are. We are the children of Christ. And that started to affirm in me, you know, God's love for me. But the part that I continue to struggle with, which is in the same verse, is the latter part, which says, but we do know, that we will be like him for we will see him as he really is. And the struggle that I had was, I don't think I really knew who he was. Because, you know, growing up in the church, it had sort of been ingrained in me that God was this superpower that was way out there and was sort of untouchable. And if you had any sin in your life, then you couldn't get close to God and you couldn't have a, a relationship with him. And so this is what shaped sort of my Christianity. And I didn't know how to deal with this. This father-son relationship, I just couldn't grasp. And it always seemed like I was doing, trying to do more and more to get God to love me and for him to accept me. And every time I messed up, every time I sinned, every time I missed the mark, I just found that I kept having to press this reset button to start over. And there's no way that you can have a good relationship with anyone if you feel that way and if you're operating that way. So let's fast forward about 15 years. Right, Got saved at 15, I'm getting close to my 30s, I'm married and we just have our first child. My oldest son, Nicholas, was born and um, it changed everything. About a few days after we got home from the hospital, I remember getting a phone call from a good friend of mine and that friend in the conversation kind of stopped and said, hey Purr, that's what my friends, my, good, my close friends call me. He said, what is it like to be a father? And it caught me off guard. First of all, I'd only been a father for a few days. I wasn't really experienced, didn't know how to kind of measure it, but it stopped me in my tracks and I stood back and I actually thought about it for a second and then it hit me. And I remember responding to my friend and I said, man, I don't know how to explain it, but I have this overwhelming love for this child that I do not know very well, that I've only met a few days ago who has done absolutely nothing for me and I feel like I've actually done everything for him. I just have this love for this kid that that I feel like I've known him forever. And this is when it hit me. This was the revelation that I had about how God the Father actually felt towards me as a son. And it changed everything from here going forward. Jeremiah chapter one, verse five says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Now think about that for a second. The God of the universe who created everything and holds the world in his hands, thinks about you and I so much that he had a plan for us and a purpose for us. And he says the Bible says that he knew us even before we were conceived in our mother's room. That is an amazing thing. I had this deep revelation of not only who God was as a father, but I had an even deeper revelation who I was as a son. You see, the problem here is that the problem is never God. God is perfect in every way. He doesn't change. His love for me never changes. The way he sees me doesn't change. But what does change is the view that we have of him. You see, when I came to realize that um, this bar that I was trying to set to earn God's favor wasn't a bar, that, a, a, a bar that God set for me. This was a bar that I actually set for myself. And the reality is that that bar is unattainable. You know, we, we, we learned some about this story in week one when Tom shared about the prodigal son. It reminds me of that story. See, the problem is, is the way that we view God and we feel like we aren't good enough or that we can't come to God until we are at a certain level of holiness. The problem with that is, is not that we aren't good enough, which is part of the truth, but that's actually not what the, the root of the issue is. The problem here is the way that we view God in this. You see, if we think that we are not good enough because of our behavior or because of what we haven't done, what we're actually saying is that what Jesus did on the cross for us and the blood that he shed for us wasn't sufficient to cover our sin that our sin was actually more powerful than what Jesus did on the cross. And I think that's a dangerous place to be. The reality is, is that what Jesus did on the cross when he said that it was finished was the end all and be all of anything that we ever needed to do to accept or to earn God's favor and love. He squashed that. He completed everything. He took our sin upon himself and he lived a perfect life so that we wouldn't have to. You see, Jesus is the one who was perfect. He took our imperfections upon himself, knowing that we could never do it on our own. And because of that, when we enter into a relationship with Jesus, he becomes our mediator to the Father. So that when God looks at us, he doesn't see us in our condition, and the sin that we're born into. He actually views us and sees us through the perfection of his son Jesus and what he did on the cross. Romans 8.14 says this, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God, You know, I remember at the beginning of the story, I talked about my fear about being adopted by my earthly parents and wondering whether, um, you know, the fear I had was that they would actually give me back if I wasn't good enough. The amazing thing about this having a spirit of adoption from the father who loves us, this heavenly perfect father, is that a parent who chooses to adopt a child chooses them because he wants them. And we can live and understand with the fact that we can take the word of God for it being truth that this father in heaven chose you and I so that we could become sons and daughters to him. I wanna close with this other vice verse, which I cling to for many reasons, uh, but I wanna share that with you as we end. Colossians 1, nine to 14 says this, and this is Paul writing from prison, encouraging the Colossian church. And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with power, according to his glorious might for all endurance, patience with joy. And this is verse twelve, the one that I the verse that I anchor up to. Giving thanks to the Father, who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption and forgiveness of sins. You see, the reality is, like we've talked about, there was nothing that we can do to qualify ourselves to earn the inheritance that we find in Jesus. It is God is the one and Jesus is the one who qualifies us because of what he accomplished on the cross and the perfection that he had living a sinless life. Through these last few verses, you notice that I talked about being heirs of Christ and and sharing in the inheritance. Well, what is that inheritance? That inheritance is spending eternity with Christ, which we get to experience when we live here on earth, when we accept him, and when we pass on and go to spend eternity with him. Who is an inheritance meant for? It's meant for children. It's meant for sons and daughters. It's meant for us because that is who we are. And if you are here today and you're listening to this message, and you are waiting to see whether or not you can do something that you think is good enough to earn God's love and favor, I'm here to tell you today, you are his son, you are his daughter. Just ex- He wants to meet you where you're at. You just need to choose to accept that. I love and miss you guys, and I hope that we get a chance to see you guys soon.